When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with musicians whose parents made a name for themselves in music. Today's guest had a mother and aunts who sang and even came to Nashville to record a gospel album. We'll hear what it was like growing up in a home that was filled with songs. We'll find out when our guest caught the music bug himself and ultimately what inspired him to continue the family legacy and pursue his own musical journey. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined here in Nashville by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, hey, Robert. Looking forward to this one. (laughs) Yes, indeed. In what we're calling our Nashville sessions, we find ourselves today at Legend Studio in a neighborhood called Berry Hill in Nashville with a brilliant singer, songwriter, producer, somebody who can really do it all. He's had hits like Hard to Love, I Don't Dance, Drinking Class, I drive your truck, and more than a memory. And I am delighted to be here with Lee Bryce. Thank you for being with us today, buddy. I always enjoy being around you. <laughs> Man, are you kidding me? This is awesome. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> so what was it like growing up with all that gospel music in the house? Uh, it was... was there always singing going on? Well, I loved it then. Yes, there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it then, and I didn't know how much, I think until now, how much I really did love it. You know, I... We sang all the time, mom and daddy, um, Sunday mornings, every day, really. That's all we listened to in the car. Was Daddy listened to a bunch of the gospel vocal groups, so mm-hmm. like gospel quartets and the that kind of thing. Statesman and the Blackwood Brothers. Uh, and Gold City, Kingsman, Gaither, yeah, all that stuff. And that's all I we listened Gold to. I love Gold City. I thought they were really cool. Gold City, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, the Gaither vocal band. So then the only stuff that wasn't in gospel that daddy really listened to, like say on country radio was he loved like, you know, the, the vocal stuff. So Alabama and, you know, Statler brothers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's what he would get into, you know, Elvira. you know I mean? That was, <laughs> he loved the bass. He sang bass. Um, it's kind of funny cause daddy has a humongous range. He could sing tenor, but nobody else could sing bass. So he learned to sing actual bass cause nobody else could and he he did that and so that was that's what he's prided himself on forever and uh did your mom and her sisters have a name for their group the lewis sisters so my brother my little brother's name is lewis after her maiden name Mm -hmm. and so uh, when they were kids it was actually not my mother they they've sang their whole life together but when they were this young mama was too too young Mm -hmm. henrietta um aunt judy and aunt lori were a trio and they were somewhere between 12 and like nine or eight. And their mama, my grandmama, drove them to Nashville and they went to, I think it was RCA Studios, and they recorded a gospel album, those three at that age. Wow. And to this day, I still have copies of that.
And then from that point on, my mama and the other sisters that came and my Uncle Boy, uh, uh, they have been singing forever. And so that's what I grew up around. Every Thanksgiving, every holiday, was all we did was sing, 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 sing. And uh, so that's how it was in my house. Do you think that's that influenced how your songwriting developed? Those gospel chords and that certain Absolutely. that Baptist harmony and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. In fact, it's hard for me... When I'm making some of my records, I'm a solo artist, quote, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you don't, it's hard to go say, man, I, I want to hear like four-part harmonies on it. But like truthfully, like that's not what you're going to hear if you go to the concert. You're not going to hear a bass and a tenor. and a, So, you know, I, I have to steer away from even doing that sometimes. Um, uh, but I loved it so much. And I learned all those parts growing up just from singing in church. Mama would sing all of them. Daddy sang bass. It's kind of like mama, you know, mama sang tenor, daddy sang I mean, that's, that's what it really, <laughs> really, tenor. it seriously was that. And uh, so I learned how to, how to drop my voice and to sing bass as a kid. And I learned how to falsetta and do things up high. And so I think that all that a, had a lot to do. Give me a little bit of a flavor for the kind of music we're talking about. Say, well, people who haven't heard Southern gospel. Well, like, you know, so Aunt Henry, she would, uh, all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I surrender all I surrender all all to it save your surrender now I play that real like quiet like that because my aunt Henretta she would she would just milk it and so I tell people all the time I'm like well I think I got my range from my daddy because he could sing real low and he sing right but I think I got if I have a talent for communicating a song it came from Mama and Henry and my Aunt Henrietta, her older sister, who played the piano, because we'd be in church and Mama sometimes for the solo, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta you gotta get a sermon, you got the offering, and like, and then you had somebody come up and do a solo, and a lot of people, I guess, they did that because they just loved singing and they wanted to sing, and maybe for whatever reason. But Mama, she if she sang a solo, she sang because she was trying to convey a message that day, big time. Um, and so there were times when I heard her, one watcher, and she could sing like an angel, but she might stop, and she might go, instead of singing it, she might go, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to thee I freely give. You start to feel guilty out there. Listening to that. You know what I'm saying? She talking to me? She would talk instead of sing. And I'm going, Mama, why aren't you singing? She said, Lee, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if it sounds good or not. She's like, I I just felt like God wanted me to just. She was in the spirit. She was in the spirit and she didn't, she wanted to communicate the song. And now there have been times in my life, that's, that's me too on stage. And I know I get that from her to, there are those moments to where you gotta just stop let everything be quiet and just 
communicate the song. So I got a whole lot of who I am from this. Like, reminds me of the, the old Bill Anderson adage. You yeah. want to get somebody's attention? Then can whisper. That's right. <laughs> Whispering Bill, and he's right. He is exactly right. So when you first start, you started writing quite early uh, as, a, as a kid, right? I did. I mean, what were those early songs like? Were you trying to convey, you know, messages like your I, aunt? I was, but it was. I was already singing about heartbreak. Huh. At ten. So at ten, <laughs> at ten, I hadn't seen my kindergarten girlfriend in half my life at ten years old. Okay, and the first song I ever wrote. Uh, it was called Friends, and it was weird. I don't. I li- I've been thinking about this. Why did I start writing? Why did I start playing and writing? Why did I start hitting, getting a sing-a-lodeon thing, and hitting record on a tape, and moving it over, and trying to overdub it and produce it? Like even then, and I still don't know. I guess it was just something that I, I, I wanted to do that more than I wanted to do anything else. So I just spent my time on that. Well, so these songs, like, so my very first song I ever wrote. I wrote it on piano, actually. Uh, this is a brave thing to do. Most yeah. people will not play you the first song ever. <laughs> this is, here we go. So this is about Carla, my kindergarten girlfriend. And I was 10. And, you know, she lived on the other side of Sumter. I hadn't seen her in years. I mean, that's a long way away. Yeah. So it was, uh, let's see. I know we were only in kindergarten, but that didn't matter to me. I loved you then and I love you now and that's how friends should be. You know what I mean? That's kind of like what so I was, sweet. you know, I was writing it on piano and like it felt a little more. But So in my mind at 10 years old, I was, that was pretty good I for 10 and half my life, yeah. you know, and so, but also like I would convey, so daddy hunted a lot, you know, we, we, we ran dogs and, and we uh, hunted deer and like the second song I ever wrote, I played this. And I remember Daddy crying. And I went, what in the world? And my daddy don't cry. It was, uh, God gives every man one great hound. He had a dog named Train, okay? And Train was the best hunting dog in our club for years and years and years, okay? God gave every man one great hound that old dog will run a buck till the sun goes down if you ain't caught him up by dark you might as well just give it up cause he'll be running all night long you better warm up your coffee cup then the next morning he'll be standing at your front door with a look on his face sorry singing daddy i want more god gives every man one great hound so like daddy's thinking he just wrote a song about I mean, this was a big part of our life. Every Saturday, this is our only time with Daddy. He worked so hard during the week. We saw him when he got off work for long enough for him to kick his feet up, watch the news, eat supper, and go to bed. So on Saturdays and Sundays, Saturdays it was us. We got to hunt with him. That was a big part of our life. So that was a important thing to him. And so him and his grown men friends were crying when I was sitting there 10, 11 years old. You knew you were onto so, something. Yeah, I said, I got to keep doing this. I loved it, though. There was something about it I loved. Tell me about coming to Nashville. You you came here as a songwriter. 
I came here as a as a as an artist. I wanted to I wanted to be Garth Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be Garth Brooks. And the connection I saw him have, I saw him one time. Uh, and the connection that I felt, even like singing that song for my daddy when I was 10, 11 years old. you've had several songs that have connected big time. Well, there's, there's this connection thing that I was addicted mm-hmm. to. I was like, this is something that I love so much. And so I came here to be an artist. And I met, I got very fortunate. And through a, a string of folks, I met Doug Johnson. and, mm-hmm. uh, and a big uh, producer he, here in Nashville yeah, and songwriter. Yeah, great. Unbelievable in every way you can think of. And he kind of took me over to Curb Records and Turk Curb Publishing. And, and we, we signed a deal that to, to be a record deal slash writing deal, mm-hmm. publishing deal. Um, and I just happened to, those first few years while I was making a record um, and kind of developing a little bit, I wrote a bunch of songs. And I crafted the songwriting that I had been doing by myself since I was 10. You know, I moved here when I was 21 I took that and wrote with other folks, and I got a few cuts on other other artists. You did. That's, well, that's how yeah. I first heard of you, right? And so that's how mm-hmm. it happened. And so then folks kind of assumed I came here to be a songwriter, mm-hmm. and then I became an artist later. But mm-hmm. my whole life, I just wanted to play my song. Well, I tell you that you one of the, one of your songs put some bread on the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You're in more, fact, you tell me you have more than a memory. Yeah. So, as I said, I other than my daddy and like my family and really that's it i mean my biggest hero in music and influence in music was garth brooks period i got a little little radio you know alarm clock radio when i was in seventh grade sixth grade and i had it beside my bed and i click it on at night as i was falling asleep and uh i heard garth brooks on the radio and i just kind of just lost my mind i was like man this is you know, there was something about Garth communicating even through the radio. You know, mm-hmm. something about him. Yeah, he's a great guy. And uh, and to this day, I've got to meet him. But I got to meet him because after all those years, I uh, got out of college, dated this girl in college, and I couldn't get over her and got to Nashville and wrote a hundred songs with all these songwriters. And they were like, are you ever going to stop writing about this girl you can't get over? <laughs> and, I, and I said, I don't know. And then one day, the, the idea came along. Um... Uh, I was sitting there writing a letter to her on my bus, on my first radio tour. I'm on the bus. I'm writing a letter to the, to this girl I hadn't really even seen in a year or two. You know, I maybe had seen her once. I was writing a letter to her to tell her how I felt, and then I thought, this is 3 in the morning, sitting up in the middle of the night, woke up, writing a physical letter to somebody who, it ain't going to matter. She's not going to probably ever get it. And I went, this is just, she's nothing but a memory. And I was sitting there looking at that letter in my hand with that pen, physical Physically up in the middle, I said, well, no, she's obviously more than a memory. And so I was like, well, <laughs> so then at 7 a.m. the next morning, I had to get up and go to radio. So I got up and I wrote kind of the verses and or the chorus to that. And then I told a couple of my friends about it. And uh, we finished writing it a couple months later. We talked about it. And then Garth Brooks, of all people, actually Rascal, Rascal Flatts called and wanted to record it. And... About two weeks after we said, man, y'all can record it, I called him. I said, look, guys, I really hate to tell you this, but I have to have this song back. I'm sorry. And then the next day, Garth called. I was like, okay, Garth, you can have it. (laughs) (laughs) Making enemies for life out of Rascal Flatts. I know. You know, it's funny. 
actually wrote a song with Joe Don on the last record, and uh, it's awesome. We're, I love those guys. And But Garth, you know, he was my hero, and he called me wanting to record one of my songs. Oh, cool. And it turned out to be a huge, huge hit. He put it on the radio, and it was at number one when it came on the first radio. Week it, the first week it came out, it hit number one. I remember that. All of that blew my mind. It really just kind of... And that had never happened before. <laughs> but you also said he, and as much as you, he was your idol, he also sprinkled some dust on it too, right? I Absolutely. mean, he changed a little things he with did. it. He did. He, But you know, it's funny. Like, So he, he did. He he wanted to shorten it a little bit, and he figured out a way to do that. He took out kind of a, a verse-esque part. and But he, it's so funny because he's like, he called, guys... He said, I'm not going to let anybody else hear this. He said, I'm not going to do anything with it. He said, but this is what I did with it. I really want you guys, the writers, me and mm-hmm. Kyle. Uh, he's here somewhere. You know, remember you I saw know, Kyle. Kyle and Billy. He says, guys, can I just play this for you guys to make sure you're okay with this before I do anything with it? And You were already saying, I'm, it's fine, it's fine. I'm like, look, dude, <laughs> you sold 100 million records. I think it might be okay. <laughs> but, yeah, we'd love to come see you and meet you, you know, because we, we, uh, we hadn't met him yet. And uh, so uh, I didn't get to go to that. I was out of town on the road on my first radio tour. So this is where that story starts. Kyle goes and they meet him. First time I met Garth was the Friday after the song came out. On a, it came out on a Monday. It, that Friday he had a number one party. So I got to meet Garth for the first time. And then he was doing all, he was doing all those shows, you know, ten that. shows in a row. Mm-hmm. I'm on the road. I couldn't go see any of these shows to go see my heroes sing my song. Years go by. Couldn't see my, I never got a chance to go see my heroes sing my song. Years go by. I have kids. I ain't got time to go do anything except come home, be with my kids, work, and go back on the road. Last year, I happened to be in Boston doing a -a Make-A-Wish thing, and he was doing a show in Boston that night. I got to go see my hero, and I was just hoping he might do my song. And he found out I was there. I got to go to meet and greet. Went and, you know, hung out with him a little bit. And he says, hey, Lee, uh, you feel like working tonight? And I was like, uh, working. Like, you want me to wash some dishes? What you, what? Uh, mm, what? So won't you sing memory with me tonight? You know, and this is at the garden in Boston. <laughs> I was kind of blown away, you know, and, and uh, and uh, so I said, uh, yeah. He goes, well, don't. I was like, are you sure? You know, are you sure? He said, well, I mean, I do have to take Shameless out to sit. I will let everybody know that. Don't worry. He likes to mess with you a little bit. <laughs> so it was, I got to get on stage with Garth Brooks that night and sing my song. The very first time I ever heard him even sing it since I was 17 years story. old. So it was, it was really cool. Sing it a little <laughs> bit for us. Oh, man. Yeah. Just pretend Garth Brooks never cut it. <laughs> Yeah, people say she's only in my head It's gonna take time, but I'll forget You say I need to get on with my life But what they don't realize Is when you're dialing six numbers Just to hang up the phone Driving across town just to see if she's home Waking a friend in the dead of the night Just to hear him say it'll be alright When you find it, things to do to not fall asleep Cause you know she'll be there in your dreams That's when she 
more than a memory. <laughs> That's the stuff. That is the stuff. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about your songwriting process. Uh, nowadays, I mean, you it has it has been told. I don't know if you told me this or that you hear see songs in color. Mm. Well, I do. I, th- I see a lot of things in color. Numbers and letters and there's a stuff. word for it. I don't know what they, there is a, a medical term. For I've this. heard about that. I've heard about that. I can't remember that. what it's called. And uh, you know, my songwriting process has really, really gone through a lot of different things. You know, from ten to twenty-one, it was just me, mm-hmm. and it was when I was inspired. You know, you can imagine being twelve and it's time to go to school or church, and Mama coming in and going, "We got to go now." And I'm like, "Mama, I cannot." I am, I am, I am, it's, I'm sorry, I just can't. I'm in the middle, I got this idea, and I'm doing, it's right in the middle of it. Could not do it. And she's like, you're, you're not serious. I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> so that didn't work, really. But, I mean, I did feel like that. It was when I was inspired. Then I came to town, Nashville, and I learned that writing songs really, you know, if you want it to be your job, it's something you got to work out every day. And you work, and you work. Mm-hmm. So if you don't feel like it, you get up and you go write anyway. Okay, mm-hmm. and you write with other people, you, you learn from them, you listen, and so I wrote a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of songs for the first few years I was in Nashville. A hundred songs a year, two hundred songs a year. Okay, two songs a day, mm-hmm. sometimes five songs a day. Stay up all night. Then you learn like what's qual, what's quantity, and then like you start really figuring out what's quality. And I really. I always worked then about having quality because I always compared everything to my favorite songs, which were great songs. Garth Brooks songs and Don Williams and George Strait, Baby Blue and like Alabama. And like, I, that's what I compared. So if it, what I was writing wasn't in that realm, I didn't think it was good enough. So the songwriters, the, the, the experienced songwriters I was writing with would go, well, if it's not good enough, what is? I'm like, I don't know what it is, but it ain't good enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of my only strong point at the time. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, uh, being an editor was a good thing at the yeah. time for me. And um it's but now it's kind of gotten to a point to where um I have to try my best to um get folks on the road and write on the road, which is hard. Cuz when I'm home, I'm only home for 2 days a week. I'm I'm not going to take those 2 days away from my kids. At this point in their lives, there that they're, the boys are getting to an age where they're starting to come over into my realm to where I'm going to be extremely important in their life, you know, and what they learn and what they see and what they do and how they act and all everything. Um, you know, when they're babies, just you know, their mama really is a big influence on them. I feel like now is a really important time, so I don't get to write as much. So I've learned lately to, if I just have to spend all weekend with with. Uh, with a songwriter or two or weeks to get one song that matters and to get it right, then that's what I would rather do than to just force three out in a weekend or five out in a weekend or six out mm-hmm. in a weekend because I don't have time to just, I mean, I'm making my records too. And when I get these, this record that I hopefully I'm trying to make great, great is different than good, you know? And, it just takes me a minute. I'm not, you know, I'm not like a blow it all out, make a great song in five minutes. I just, play I me, like to. Play me a little bit of Love Like Crazy as an example of one of your. <laughs> well, Love Like Crazy, man, I haven't played that in a while. So this was uh, one that Doug Johnson actually wrote. And him being a producer, my producer at the time, he didn't even, he 
never played me songs, especially not that were his. He never pushed himself on me. I've heard that about him before. He didn't push this on me either. But he did say, hey, Lee, I wrote a song today. And before I go pitch it to anybody else, I just want you to hear it. In case you love it, and he says, I think it's a smash. Uh, They called him crazy when they started out. Said 17 is too young to know what love's about. They've been together 50, 80 years now. That's crazy. He brought home 67 bucks a week. Bought her a little two bedroom house on Maple Street. Where she blessed him with six more miles to feed. That's crazy. Just ask him how he did it. He'll say, pull up a seat. It'll only take a minute to tell you everything. Be your best friend and tell the truth. And over you, I love you. Never let your praying knees get lazy And love like crazy And so that's the kind of song that I was like, okay, Doug, that is great. Holy crap. And it reminded me of Edwin McCain, my other little hero growing up from mm-hmm. South Carolina. Edwin McCain had that song called I'll Be, and it's one of the biggest songs in history. I'll be your crying but he had this big thing to where he belted this one note out forever and that was a big signature of the song mm-hmm. and so when it got to the big love like that went i love it sold it took me to the place that i always wanted to do i always want to do that and and obviously, Doug, and that's a song. Doug is not like me. He can write that in five minutes. I don't know how he does that. And it's great. It's not just good. We talked a minute ago about how you, the, 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 the ultimate goal is to make the connection, is to connect with the audience. Ultimate. And you have had a number of songs that have had powerful, powerful connections with the audience. And I'm thinking in particular of I Drive Your Truck, mm. which had a true story behind it yep. and was it knocked everybody out, and it did. Tell it, Connie I, Harrington and uh, man, I mean, you know that story. You could tell that story as long as you want to. It's it's uh, it's the true story of a man who loses his boy yep, in and war. He, yep, and to keep his memory alive, he drove his truck around. He drives his truck. And where Connie Harrington, one of the writers on that song, got that from, she was listening to uh, the radio on a talk show and they were interviewing this guy and they asked him how do you get over this your son how do you get over this your son grew up wanting to be a soldier always acted like one tough loved it said i'm i'm enlisting as soon as i get a chance did uh went overseas and got killed Mm -hmm. and all, all of a sudden just like that his son's gone 
how do you deal with that? He said, honestly, I get in his truck and I drive around. And his stuff is still there. So this is what Connie came up with. And so, Con- yeah, so Connie Probably. came up with this stuff. And, you know, a lot of this is from what that interview it, was. Yeah, it's, li- it's literally know? true. And uh, this song, man, changes my life every day. I see kids every day. I see people every day going through all kind of stuff, right? And a lot of people connect to this song in different ways. It's not just in this particular way. Um, but every day I sing this song, I'm looking at somebody in the crowd, and I know they have a story that I should be thankful for my day because it's been a good day, you know? Uh, but... Uh, Eighty-nine cents in the ashtray Half-empty bottle of Gatorade Rolling in the floorboard That dirty Braves cap on the dash Dog tags hanging from the rear view Old school can and cowboy boots And a gold army shirt Folded in the back This thing burns gas like crazy that's all right. People got their ways of coping, and I got mine. I drive your truck, I roll every window down, and I burn up every back road in this town. I find a field, I tear it up. Till all the pains are cloud of dust here sometimes I drive the old truck Yeah, yeah I drive your truck, see Sometimes it's just it's communication It is communication <laughs> I'm Robert K. Orman and you're listening to Children of Song And our guest today is the powerful Lee Bryce oh, Thank you, son Thank you <laughs> Uh, we were in the studio together. I can't remember what we were doing. And we were listening to, I think your album hadn't come out yet. And I said, there's this song called Drinking Class on oh. this record. And I said, <laughs> yeah. I said that is going to be a smash. And you said yeah. it already was with audience because you'd already tried it out. Yeah. I, okay. So I did that a lot. And I've been doing that with this new record. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you're like, okay, this song sounds like a smash to me. And maybe it sounds like a smash to all the record executives. Who knows? But sometimes when you get it out there for the people who's actually listening to it, mm-hmm. you could be right or you could be wrong. So you test drive them. I test drive them. And I've done that with a lot of songs. And drinking class was immediate. Like I don't dance. Drinking class, a few of them, immediate. Um, there's well, a song like stand up. and Yeah, they stand up. They're singing it before it's over. You know, that's when you know if they're singing it before the song's over and they've never heard it before. It usually kind of gives you a good telltale sign. And there's songs like that that even I'm doing now with this new record that just stop a crowd and they listen. You know, it could be in the middle of the day in Mardi Gras or it could be at night in a theater. But either way, there's just some, some more than others. And some of it could be the fact that some just come across better live. You know, maybe a record would be great to hear, but... Here's one of my theories about Music Row and how it all works here is that I think everybody should go out on the road oh, yeah. because they don't really know where the rubber meets the road. And you guys who are out there doing it do. Mm-hmm. So do you come back to the record company and say, look, 
this drinking class thing. I think I've got some. You know. I do, and the good thing is, is a lot of the record reps and stuff that I have that work for the label. At least I do have a few of those that will, you know, they come out to their areas of the country, and so they get to see it. When I do it, I mean, if it don't work, <laughs> then they see that it don't work. But if it does work, they see it works, and they go back to Nashville, and they go back to the record company, and they go, dude, so this song, you know, Songs in the Kitchen is kind of killing them, or boy, or drinking class. Drinking class, know, go for or it. beer, you know. <laughs> Drinking class is like, I mean, the working man anthem. We're up when the rooster crows, clock in when the whistle blows, eight hours ticking slow. Americana too. I mean, I it think is. It, 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 think about it, yeah. Springsteen would just do it like that, you know. Yeah. And that was one of the things when I was recording that song. I've been producing my last few records, and even my first record with Doug, I was there for every single step because I needed to be. I had to be. And so, you know, technically, I guess I wasn't on the thing as a producer, but I was. I, I know what that means now, and and so. You know, producing records, like, sometimes it gets hard because, like, there's a song like that, like Drinking Class. I heard it, and I flipped over. But it was just a guitar vocal. Right. Okay? And I could hear this thing. I could hear Friends in Low Places Mm -hmm. is what I could hear in my head. So as I'm going in and we record it, we get the band and we're doing the thing, and, and, and we come out of there, and I listen, and I try to do all this other stuff, and I'm trying to re-record stuff and put a different electric and a different sound electron i'm gonna go i go every which way and there's just something that wasn't doing the connection it wasn't connecting like i knew it could and would um and i was getting for about a year i wrestled over this track the song was great but i wrestled over just the sound and the things that this track and one day it just hit me it just like a ton of bricks this song is about the working class and so I just said, I got to just think of all the most organic working class sounds you can think of. A hammer hitting a nail. You know, a truck cranking up. Stomps. <laughs> collapse. Working game. I mean, just the things that you could think of that were nature. And I replaced everything I had on there with those kind of sounds. I just went out and did them. Drop chains on the ground. <laughs> you know, just industrial Things that made a record organically it turned it into a stomper. Oh, 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 
<laughs> so awesome. We got it right, but it took a while. <laughs> you, you talk about connections, and and I want to steer back because you're so connected also to your family. I mean, mm-hmm. we are talking about this children's song and the uh, yeah. influence of your mother and her yeah. and your aunts and everything. That's where I was going. You, um, <laughs> it's all right. That's why I'm here. Keep you, you honest. You I'm, here, I'm here to keep you honest. Um, talk about songs in the kitchen and, and what they oh, meant to man. you, this this family, and you know. Well, I. Uh, it's kind of like I heard, I heard the house that built me, and about like it just about knocked me to the ground. It's a very cool song. Yeah, and I, I heard this song, and it took me to a place that I, somewhere inside me, I had been wanting to write that song for years, and I just guess I never found the title, never found the day, the inspiration, whatever the reason. I never wrote that one, but I sure when I heard that one, I thought, well, that's exactly how I would have wanted to write it. Brilliant song, made me so happy. And one day, uh, actually, one of my friends was was uh, I was sitting around and we were singing. Me and Randy Hauser and Kelly Pickler. That must have been a good session. Those, well, those two can sing. We, we were, well, we were just in my garage. Mm-hmm. Had some little dinner and had a few friends over, and we were out there and we just kind of started singing. Which we don't do that a whole lot, you know. We're always singing, we're always working, but we found ourselves alone out there just chilling. And we just went into like an old country song, and it was us three just singing like for the fun and three-part harmony. It just sounded so good, and we got done. And and, and Kelly said, man, I just miss those days just sitting around the kitchen singing songs. And a few days later, I thought about that, and I said, I said, God, man, what a title, Songs in the Kitchen. So I went and wrote this song, Songs in the Kitchen, and immediately when I saw that title in my head, I saw... The record player, Mama playing Sandy Patty on Sunday mornings. Sandy Patty was a big gospel singer <laughs> back in the day, for those of you who don't follow these things. You know, <laughs> Gaither vocal band, I rem- and the visions all came back to me. The TV, Billy Graham sitting there on TV, you know, uh, getting in the car. One of the big memories was Mama putting on her makeup because we're late, you know, in the car. Daddy's Bible. Every little thing that's in this song is truly especially compared to where my life is now. It just puts me in this moment to where this is literally maybe my favorite song I've ever written, especially at this moment in my life. Uh, And so uh, this is that connection. If you're talking about family and the connection to that and music, this is literally as as close to that as I think I could possibly get to. Let's see. Songs in the kitchen, playing on the radio, coffee on the counter, bacon frying on the stove, Billy Graham on TV, mom and daddy kissing, songs in the kitchen, songs in the car, fresh pressed Sunday clothes. Mama putting on a makeup And daddy's Bible on the dashboard Me and Lewis in the backseat Singing out our little hearts Songs in the car Yeah See all my dreams came true My songs took me far away Now I'm singing them every night These bright lights upon this stage 
If you catch me, close my eyes Every now and then To tell you the truth I'm probably just missing Songs in the kitchen Songs in the car Songs from the heart yeah. Yeah. I love this verse I gotta play this verse Songs in the church Choir little at a tune Preacher wiping his forehead Us squirming in the pew That old piano play just as I am Every time we sing every verse Yeah, I wonder if I still can All my dreams came true My songs took me far away You get it? I do get it Now I'm singing them every night And these bright lights upon this stage So it just takes you from where I was To where I am And how far away that is Sometimes, in almost a sad way, I just you know, you miss that. It's like when I when I heard the house that built me, it made me want to go back to that house that Daddy built the first one. You know, it's so. What what does what does Mama think now? Oh God, I sent that. I sent like a rough work tape version of that to Mama, and she's like, "Lee, this is the best gift you could have ever given me. Oh, ever, ever, ever." And I played it. I got to play Columbia, South Carolina, two weekends ago on this tour that we're on right now, and. uh I'd never played it live, and I decided I was going to play it live that night. Mama was going to be there. It's about Columbia, South Carolina is, you know, 45 minutes from something where I grew up. So Mama was coming, and and Mom and Daddy, and so I, I played it, and uh, played a harmonica around my neck, and just kind of just did this broken down version. And Lewis apparently, my brother was standing right beside Mama, and said it was a good moment out there for them. Now, when I walked in here today into this legend studio, which, by the way, is where Waylon got busted. <laughs> Waylon and Willie, they did all those high women records right. here. It's a really famous old room in Nashville. But when I walked in here today, you said, I've just cut my next single. Oh, and, yeah. I, and I want to hear it. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this thing. It's kind of like truck. Like it, it, um, when I say that, I didn't write this song. I found it, and just like when I found Truck, I didn't even have to listen to the second verse. I stopped right then and said, put it on hold right now, please. Like, this is my heart. This is as much as if I would have, could have written this song, please, this is how I would have wanted to do it. And so, I can't wait. <laughs> all right, here we go. I'm going to play this. And, and in the moment in my life right now, man, oh, boy, <laughs> you going to know it all. Thinking you're ten feet tall You run like you're bulletproof You total a car too Boy, you're gonna hate this town I wish you could burn it down That fire in your eyes is twenty counties wide But boy, you're gonna love seventeen And boy You'll do some stupid things You wanna drive and kiss Throw a punch and grow up away too fast You wanna drop the ball Hit the wall and break some hearts like glass I know you will 
Cause you're a part of me But a part of you Will always be Boy You're gonna be so stubborn Did you get that from your mother? I already see it now You weren't built for backing down Boy There'll be a small town night You'll fall for sky blue eyes And when she's in your hands You'll think you're a man and not a boy You're gonna lose your mind, boy She'll be every reason why You're gonna drive and kiss And throw a punch And groove away too fast You're gonna drop the ball Hit the wall and break some like glass, I know you will Cause you're a part of me But part of you Will always be my boy Yeah, you will It's 3 a.m. and I do anything to get you that face will be the same one in the review the day I watch you leave. But boy, you're gonna come back home. You're gonna settle down. But you won't feel the way I'm feeling now. Till you have a boy. He's gonna know it all He'll think he's ten feet tall Run like he's bulletproof And total car too I love you <laughs> That song That's kills a dad me. song, man You know, it's so funny it's like, It must be hard for you I mean, you've got little kids now And your life, right now Where you're at in your career You've got to work it I mean, you've got to be out there all the dang time. You do. Is that a how how, how do you balance? Well, that's tough. But songs like that kind of uh, keep me going, and you know, I, I have to make priorities. It's like, okay, we're going to do these shows, but before the year ever starts, Easter, birthday, spring break, when the kids are off for school. July 4th, holidays, everything. Make sure we're home that week. Make sure, like, we're not booking anything around it. We're not, there's going to be no excuses. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I am home, say, the Sunday through Wednesday, if I could get a good lucky week, um, I really do try to spend that time. If I don't have to be in the studio finishing up, like right now I've been in the studio a lot trying to finish this record. Uh, but while in their school, but if they're if they get out of school, I'm home by four, so I can be there for those couple hours before they go to bed and spend real, real, real quality time. And I've done the math. You know, like I said, Daddy came home, and for the most part, unless it was Saturday or Sunday, I mean, I didn't see him. He was gone before we went to school to go to work. And Mine even he, worked on Saturday. And, I remember. Well, I mean, Sunday. he did too a lot, mm -hmm. and so. When he got home at six o'clock or whatever, if he didn't have to stop and get something from the grocery store on the way home. You know, bedtime was an hour and a half later, and he, you know, he had to shower and get his feet up for a second, and watch the news, and we'd eat supper together, and then he'd go to bed. We we went to bed. Mm -hmm. There weren't, there wasn't no like a whole lot of going out in the yard and playing football and stuff, unless it was a, he just we just didn't have the time to do it. 
But you, you know, want it, you and, want and, that time with him. And so I, I've done the math of how much per week that would be. And uh, he'd have a Saturday with us. He'd take us all day long. Mm-hmm. And we loved it. And on Sundays, too. But a lot of church on Sundays. We, you know, we'd come home and nap. But, you know, if you did the math, if I'm home three or four days a week, you know, even two or three days a week, and I really spend quality out in the yard doing stuff with the kids and taking them places and i mean the math works out to where i probably get to spend as much quality time or more with my kids as i did with my daddy even though my daddy was awesome you know he did the best he could we were struggling to pay bills my whole life and he had to work you know i mean so i just have to do the. i'm working but i just have to prioritize when i'm home i imagine that the record label's chomping at the bit i mean you are a little bit overdue for a record and it, the pressure must be lately. pretty on you right now. Recently, yes, it yeah. has been. It has you want to do me another new one? I'll give you something a little fun here. Okay. okay. How about this? This, this record's got a little soul in it. Girl, you know I've known you forever. How many nights we hung out together? Same little crowd, little town, little bar around the soul dance floor. My boys are laughing, tap me on the shoulder, making a motion like a jog it any closer. They wanna know what's up, why I'm still holding you, even when the song is over. There's a rumor going round about me and you. Stirring up my little town the last week or two. So tell me why we're even trying to deny this feeling. I feel it, don't you feel it too? There's a rumor going round and round and round. What you say we make it true? <laughs> so. Rumor. It's simple, it's but it, it is groovy. It's cute. It has to something. And it has this simple small town thing. And so I'm excited about that song for the next record. Cool. I really am. Well, we got to go out with a hit. Uh, let's see. How about Hard to Love? Okay. Here we go. Pick one that I could kind of get through with these two fingers. I am insensitive. I have a tendency to pay more attention to the things that I need. Sometimes I drink too much. Sometimes I test your trust. Sometimes I don't know why you stay with me. I'm hard to love, hard to love. Oh, I don't make it easy. I couldn't do it if I stood where you stood. I'm hard to love, hard to love. You say that you need me. That you love me good You love me good (laughs) Hard to love Hard to love Lee Bryce (laughs) He's he, actually he's easy to love. Don't let him don't let him fool you. This was awesome. Thank you. Thank so you so much, much for, for spending me. time with us. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I always like spending time with you, buddy. Let's do it again. All right. <laughs> Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B side, Stories from the Road. As we were leaving the famous legend studio, we asked Lee what it was like to play the Ryman Auditorium. For country music stars after the Opry. Playing the Ryman is as big as it gets. It's, as they say, going to church. 
So here's a young Lee Bryce talking about how Mama helped him through this special moment. So I was booked for the first time to play the Ryman. The Ryman Auditorium is the legendary concert venue here in Nashville. It's, it's where even Bob Dylan wants to play. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you don't want to just get in there and like half fill the seats up, you know. You want to, you want to, so we waited and waited and waited until we really felt like maybe we could fill it up. And even with that said, we, we sold the tickets. We sold out the rhyme, which just had me on cloud nine. Um, but when you get to the rhyme, and there's, all, there's something about the Opry, there's something about the rhyme that you can't explain. Um, even more than going out and playing for a stadium full of people or, or whatever. So I'm backstage at the rhyme, and, and uh, uh, I had a lot of people back there. There were, there were everybody from the label. When you do anything in town, Everybody from the label, everybody from publishing, everybody from everywhere. A hundred people piled in this tiny little place, and I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I was, and on the inside, I was thinking, I am so nervous. I'm kind of like a screamer. I get out there and want to, like, rock the house, and this is the rhyme. I don't know if I should do that. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to expect. I was just kind of, I really was nervous, and I don't really get that way, but I was very anxious, and I had just all these people, and I, I, uh, mama just kind of, she was around the corner. She was backstage, but she was in another room and she came around the corner and just grabbed my hand and said, Hey, you walk with me for a second? I said, yeah. And, uh, I, she just basically walked around the corner into this one room that was kind of quiet. And she just looked at me and basically was just holding my hand. And she said, Lee, I, she had no idea what was going on inside me, but she had every, she knew. She said, Lee, it's going to be perfectly fine. She said, you, she said, God has brought you here today, tonight. You are going to do wonderful. I know right now, I know that you are anxious about this moment. But she said, God says, don't be anxious. Uh, and so she said, just trust in him and trust in what I'm telling you. Uh, there's no reason for you to be anxious right now. And it was just in the back of the rhyming, you know, my mama was mama, you know. She took you to church. And she took me to church before I went and sang for the old church. Which, it was a tabernacle. It was built it was. as a gospel tabernacle. Absolutely. And she, she calmed my heart and uh, went out there and had the time of my life. Next week, Pam Tillis, the country music star, talks about life with her legendary father, the Coca-Cola Cowboy. It's a tribute celebrating the life of country music legend Mel Tillis. Next time on Children of Song, the podcast that combines live music with great storytelling. Till then, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.